Hello, listeners, and welcome to another footnote episode of the Fantasy Animation Podcast. I'm Alex Sargent. And I am Chris Holiday. Chris, we've had an email uh, from Dana. Dana writes, Dear Dr. Holiday and Dr. Sargent, first off, Dana, good, full, give us the doctor and, and surname. It's very Email full. etiquette Absolutely. is strong with this Absolutely. one. I wish my students would be so polite. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. First, I'd like to thank you for the amazing work you're doing. I came across your website and your podcast quite recently, and it's been uh, it's already become by far my favourite listening on my commute and chores. This is this should just be the, the footnote, just us reading it's out. Going, it is. It's going to be me reading out various praise we've received from <laughs> sure. the email account. Um, uh Dana is, a, is an MA uh, is writing an MA dissertation on Disney temporality and nostalgia, um, and she's uh, asked us whether we could clarify what we mean by Disney's storybook openings. They've been mentioned on the podcast a few times, at least in the Snow White and Christopher Robin episodes, and I'd love to hear more on the topic. Okay, Dana, uh, you've asked, um, asked so politely and so nicely, and indeed flattered us, which will get us everywhere. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, let's see what we can do on this. So, yes, the, tw- the storybook opening. Now, I don't want to claim something that, uh, that someone else has probably written on, but I think when we use the term storybook opening, it comes from a phrase I keep using. But I've used it in my writing a few times. There's a, a chapter on the Black Cauldron where I talk about storybook openings in um, Discussing Disney uh, by Amy M. Davis, um, the editor. I believe there's another less good uh, chapter by someone else uh, in the book. Um, Thank you very much. <laughs> um, uh, and So and, glad we're doing this. And, and I think I've mentioned it a few times in other work. Basically... And it does relate to fantasy and animation discourse, but it's that it's the phenomenon of the, the, the you know one of the kind of tropes of whatever the Disney formula is is that their films often start with this kind of prologue that is usually taking place in literally the form of the storybook. Um, and I and I went through a phase where I watched a lot of Disney films in chronological order and just sort of saw this trope develop over time. So yep. Snow White, it happens. Um, literally, someone turns the pages of a storybook and you read the kind of opening of, of Snow White. Cinderella, it definitely happens. Pinocchio. Um, Pinocchio. Song of the South. Song of the South. It Song of the South begins with the the storybook with with um, Uncle with the Uncle with Uncle. Well, that's because no one's seen that movie because it's extremely problematic. Um, um, Sleeping Beauty, yeah, Jungle Sleeping Book, Sword in the Stone. You get Sword the picture. The yeah, exactly. And, and and then yeah, even more recently, so Beauty and the Beast does it with a with a stained glass window. Mm-hmm. Um, lots and lots of lots and lots of films do this. And I was interested into why they did it and what they said about the evolution of Disney's storytelling. And basically, I my the general thesis of it, I thought, was that. Quite a, what I detected in these was um, a move from a storybook opening like Snow White, which literally tells you about half the story before you get into the, the film movie. Starts, yeah. As much narrative happens in that opening storybook opening of Snow White as the rest of the movie. And actually a lot of what Snow White is are like little episodic vignettes of just sort of stuff happening around the plot. Like like the Whistle While You Work sequence. You know, there's lots of just bits happening right, that are right, actually right. storytelling. Like they're not they're not and even the end, like they have to cut to another caption to kind of get us to the end. And I started to sort of think about actually the reason for that is because you know the animation is being the way the labor's being divided and all this sort of stuff, but the animation is taking on quite a decorative format. It's almost functioning like an illustration yes. um, of the story, which is being told very kind of precisely and very um, fairy tale like. Fairy tales don't tell very subtle, nuanced 
psychologically transparent stories. They tell very deterministic stories. There once was a beautiful young woman who was forever good. Yeah. yeah. There once was a wicked queen whose heart was made of stone. These kind of, in a sentence, we'll give you the function, the story, and you'll go with it. Yeah. And I became interested as to how that trope developed over time. At first, it does a lot of the legwork for the narrative in these early Disney features, um, so that the film itself doesn't have to kind of communicate that. It can get on with kind of having fun and, 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 and having these kind of little moments. But then we get to things like Beauty and the Beast and we get to things like um, even Aladdin has a kind of weird, sort of like a spoken storybook open. Yes, yeah. Um, but, but, but as the animation changes and as the register of animation changes, actually my argument would be that we move from Disney's doing, Disney doing fairy tales with illustrations to when Disney come back to doing fairy tales, they're actually not doing fairy tales, they're doing fantasies. Yeah. Little Mermaid is not a fairy tale. Well, it's based on the fairy tale, but it's a fantasy. It's you know, it's about it's about a fantasy. And yeah. It's told like a modern fantasy novel, okay. whilst Snow White is a fairy tale. Because I think the, the the sort of way the way to look at the storybook opening is is first of all, yeah, through the lens of adaptation. I mean, there's also a sort of cultural. Mm -hmm. um, uh, sort of legitimization process going on of animation as 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 a medium which is doing visually what these books are doing, um, kind of li literary yeah. the of liter a literary classic. Quite often, the books that you see are kind of like medieval manuscripts, yes. almost like in style. So they're very illustrative anyway. Like there's this kind of decorative quality to the books themselves. Yeah, yes, you're right. So there are writers actually like Kathleen Coyne Kelly who argue that the represent the, the kind of the depiction the hyper realist depiction of, of medieval landscapes in Snow White and Sleeping Beauty um, register quote just like the the worlds of, of illustrated mm -hmm. uh, illustrated manuscripts and tapestry um, whether produced in the Middle Ages or, or imitated by kind of later artists so there's a visual element that okay so the animated features are doing something that is akin to the decoration of a particular kind of story. Um, uh, however, it is often used... I mean, it has it has its sort of dozen key films that, you, that we mentioned. Um, as it evolves, you start. we start to get... Okay, we get that the, um, the, the, the purpose of the storybook is achieved through other means, mm -hmm. whether it is a voiceover or the prologue to Aladdin. Um, but, 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 but also, actually, the purpose gets... Like, as I say, Snow White, it literally tells you about half the mm, plot in that first mm. storybook of it, and then we open with I'm Wishing, and we don't do much narrative. We do sing-songing. Yes. Um, Whilst that isn't true of later storybook openings. Jungle Book, for example, it tells us the entire story just in, a, in an animation, but it has this opening closing to kind of... To do... Provide yeah. little bookends. Um, yeah, okay. So um, it's still doing that legitimising thing you're saying, but it's not telling the story. Yeah. Then it appears, or then it, then it, the 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 bookend function is achieved in. I mean, in, there, are, there are films that play with, um, like Mulan uses parchment, for example, at the start, and mm -hmm. Pocahontas. No, it's Hercules that uses kind of pots, clay pots. That's characters. right. So, the, the the narrative function of it, whether it's sort of goes in and out of or changes and mutates over time it sort of then becomes co-opted into like the world of the film so there are slightly because one of the things about the storybook openings is that they're often am I right in thinking that they're often live action 
Um, Sometimes they're not the always. Start they might be. I try to remember what the Snow White sequence is, but I think maybe at the start they are, but I don't think they always are. Yeah, like, okay. So I would say rarely they are as we move into the sort so of. That's interesting. Onwards, that actually, they're not this static trope that exists um, as this unified process of legitimization. It does kind of wax and wane in really interesting ways. Sometimes it's live action, sometimes it's not. Um, I think the design of the book is relatively stable. That's one of the things, mm-hmm. the sort of weightiness of these manuscripts, these leather bound manuscripts that are illustrated with this beautiful and I think that's really important for some other films that I've encountered that play with that trope as part of its deconstructive register so Chicken Little is is a really great example probably the most famous example is Shrek where the Disney sure. storybook appears in a film that isn't about Disney at all or it's it's not a Disney film but it is about Disney um, so it's it's a that's that's an interesting tension that it sort of appears in these other forms I mean, it also appeared in Disney short films as well but it's it's yeah. most famous for these kind of feature films so we've got about a minute left um references from me uh as i say i don't think i don't think you'll find a lot on it as a as a as a term but what i'm riffing on as i'm trying to articulate it are actually kind of formalist theories of fairy tales the fairy tale has been discussed a lot in terms of its formal um you know narratological components and and indeed in terms of its style of narration because as i say what a fairy tale is is a is, is a structure by which the teller is given freedom. Mm. And I sort of forgot to mention that earlier. So the reason Snow White is very short and it's the queen is the queen is this and she is this and the handsome prince is this and we don't need to know any more about the characters and here's the plot is because it allows the storyteller to embellish, to play with, to to tell to it's the telling that becomes dramatic, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because you don't need to spend a lot of time explaining who the character of Snow White is. We did that in a sentence. So the raw structure provides the basis through which they can be moulded and changed because they're part of oral storytelling culture. Mm. And Vladimir props the morphology of the folktale is really good for this. Um, uh, to an extent, Joseph Campbell's Hero of the Thousand Faces, although I'd love to recommend that for anyone. Um, uh, well, I, I mean, I would say in terms of... Yeah, in terms of animation. Well, no, actually, I was going to say writers, literary um, theorists like Gerard Jeanette that talk sure. about paratexts and, yep. and the sort of... Because it makes me think about the mystery of these. These are not just sort of... Yes, they're not static spaces, but they also have this question of kind of temporality, exactly as Daniel was saying, that there is this temporal element, which is, okay, so when is this story taking place? Um, who is telling this story and so there's a lot embedded within these sequences that are not just neat neat openings they actually do perhaps some really important kind of they do some really important and often confusing narrative work I guess I I'm I've encountered it I've written about it in the in the chapter that you tried to disregard at the opening of this footnote as I will continue to do um, which is about the Disney formula and how it sort of doesn't really exist um, in Amy Davis's uh, Discussing Disney where I talk about the opening of Chicken Knitten and how the, the storybook is kind of wielded and disregarded to talk about newness and that is riffing not actually on the storybook opening of Disney but it's actually riffing on the Shrek opening which is about four years five years earlier um, my recommendation would be that that um, chapter that I mentioned by Kelly um, but it comes in a book uh, the Disney Middle Ages a fairy tale and fantasy past which is edited by Susan Aronstein and Tyson Pugh which um, yeah includes Kelly's chapter um, Disney's medieval medievalized ecologies in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and Sleeping Beauties so there's something around the history of kind of art, the artistry of, of, of um, landscape that Kelly kind of connects up to the illustration of um, the, in these kinds of manuscripts. So I thought that was kind of interesting. 
Thanks, Dana, for your question. Yeah. If you have a, your own suggestion for what we'd like, you'd like us to talk about on the footnote episodes, you can email us up at fananimresearch, F-A-N-A-N-I-M, research at gmail.com, um, and we'll happily read it out on the podcast. Yeah. Otherwise, that's been us, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you.